Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to change your whole life, all your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. Again, I want to come and talk to you around something that I spoke about last week, but you've, um, you're getting an upgraded message. It's not the same message, it's an upgraded. Turn to someone and say, you're due an upgrade. Hey, I'm not just talking about your phone. I'm not just talking about your phone. I'm talking about your life. I'm talking about your faith. I'm talking about what God wants to do in you and what God wants to do for you. I I need you to know that um, God is doing something in the house. There's something, there's something happening. You know, Jesus so often said, He said, if you've got ears to hear, you've got to have, sometimes you've got to have ears to hear. You can you can hear, but are you listening? Are you listening? Do you know? And God is about something. I, there's, there's something happening. This whole area of praise. You know, Lawrence didn't come this morning. He came to preach, but he didn't just come with a message. He came with an atmosphere. I, I'm sorry, you're not going to get that from the podcast. You're not going to get that in the way that you should, because sometimes you just got to be here. Turn to someone and say, sometimes you just got to be there. You just got to be there. You've gotta, you, you, you're not going to get it in the same way. You say, oh, I'll catch the podcast later. Well, maybe, maybe you just, because there was an atmosphere. There was an atmosphere of faith. There was an atmosphere of breakthrough in the house this morning. And I believe that I, I, because uh, this, this message comes as like bookends to what has happened last week and this morning and what is happening this, this evening. And because God is, God is trying to get, something to us and he's trying to get something through us he's trying to get something to us and he's trying to get something through us he's not just trying to give us information he's trying to get us revelation I've not just come with a message I've not come with a message if you can grasp this tonight it can change your life it can it can change your future it can it can change the atmosphere of your marriage it it can change the atmosphere of your family if you can truly grasp this I'm not saying it's going to be easy I'm not gonna I'm not saying that you you're gonna adapt easily but for those for those who can for those who can step up stand up and 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 challenge themselves to get hold of God in a new way. You're going to see God do something new in your life tonight. I'm coming to address you tonight around the subject of instead. God wants to give you an instead. Like I know what you've had and I know what you've got, but God has got an instead for you. And I felt Him begin to speak to me from some scriptures in in first chronicles where the bible tells a, it's a, a very dramatic tale let me just tell you about it they moved the ark of god from abinadab's house on a new cart with Uzzah and ahio guiding it david and all the israelites were celebrating with all their might before god with songs with harps Lyres, timbrels, cymbals, and trumpets. And when they came to the threshing floor of Kidon, Uzzah reached out his hand to steady the ark because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah. He struck him down because he put his hand on the ark. So he died there before God. 
And David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day, that place is called Perez Uzzah. And David was afraid of God that day and asked, how could I ever bring the ark of God to me? Did not take the ark to be with him in the city of David. Instead, say instead. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house for three months. And the Lord blessed his household and everything he had. Father, I pray that by your Spirit tonight, you will speak to us. Lord, as this preacher preaches, I pray that your Spirit will preach louder. I pray that you'll move up and down the rows and the aisles of this house tonight and that people will catch something in the Spirit. Lord, maybe, maybe even if their mind will try and get in the way, their spirit will still catch something. Because Father, you, you want to change people's lives. You are a God of the generations. You're, you're not a God just of the here and now. You are a God of the past. You are the God of the present. And you are the God of the future. And you want to bring change and you want to bring transformation. And we believe, Lord, that God, by your spirit, you're here tonight to bring that change and bring that transformation to our lives, to our hearts, to our minds, to our futures. In the name of Jesus and a faith-filled church said, Amen. It doesn't matter how many times you read this story, it always comes across as harsh. Especially, you know, I mean, how can we perhaps do anything other than to look at it through our human, the filter of our human emotions as we see that this man, he only reached out to, to steady the cart. He seemed like he was doing a good thing. It, it seemed like they were all doing a good thing. They were all doing their best. They were all having a go. You know, it wasn't just a cart. It was a new cart. You know, they, they, were, they were singing. They were, they were playing the instruments. They were doing their best for God. You know, I think that sometimes we, as the church, we, we, can, we, can, we can do that. We can be doing our best for God and yet still missing God. Still getting it wrong, thinking we're doing it right, thinking we're getting it right, but we're getting it wrong because we're not doing it in the way that God wants it to be done. And, and, and David, and of course, poor old Uzzah, at the, uh, or poor young Uzzah, Uzzah as he probably was, um, realized that in that moment. And I think to understand why this scenario came about, you've got to understand the backstory a little bit. And that is the ark had been at a guy's house called Abinadab. They've been at Abinadab's house for 20 years. 20 years. And Uzzah was Abinadab's son. So he was, he had been around the ark for a long time. Maybe all his life. Maybe for a good portion of his life. Maybe he couldn't remember a time in his life when the ark had not been there. You know, it's not the Bible that says it, but it's been well said that familiarity breeds contempt. Maybe, maybe you have grown up around church. Maybe you've been in church. Maybe, maybe you've got parents who go to church who, who, who would say they love God. And, and that's awesome. That's a blessing. That is a great, a great thing. But, but you, you cannot just live off the relationship that your parents have with God. You've got to have your own personal experience 
of God and, 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 and maybe, maybe there are some things about church, maybe there are some things about turning up at church which you've just become familiar with. You just do it. You're just going through the motions because it's what you've always done. It's what you've always known. You've become familiar with it or over familiar with it. And we begin to take for granted what we were once grateful for. We coast. We coast. We just coast because we can. We know what to do. We know when to stand. We know when to sit. We know when to raise our hands. We know when to look like we're being spiritual. But meanwhile, our mind is far away. Our heart is far away. We're already thinking about what we're going to be doing at Citizen after the, or, or, or what, you know, what we're going to be doing afterwards. Or Yeah, we, our mind is far away. What, I'm, you know, what am I going to eat? You know, it's, it, it's like I'm going through the motions. And I think that God is trying to get our attention that this is not the time for going through the motions. And, and we, we see that, that there are some principles. You see, it, uh, you know what? I don't think God, 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 God does really not care as much as some people think he does about whether we have a smoke machine or whether we have lights or whether we have screens. He really doesn't care. He doesn't care. It's not, that's not important to him. It's not, it's not the thing. It's not what it's all about. What, he, what God cares about is our heart. What God cares about is, is that he's got some principles in place that they will never change. They will never change. And, and, and we, we see here that, that even David, as much as God loved David, David, God would not let David reinterpret the rules. And that's because, you see, the ark should have never even been on a cart in the first place. They were just going through the motions, doing the things that seemed right, but they were getting it so wrong. We read in number seven that, that Moses had given clear instructions about what was to happen when it, thing, when it came to the holy things of God. It says this in number seven, that so Moses took the carts and oxen and gave them to the Levites and he gave two carts and four oxen to the Gershonites as their work required and, and he gave four carts and eight oxen to the Merarites as their work required and they were all under the direction of Ithamar son of Aaron, the priest. But... Moses did not give any to the Carthites because they were to carry on their shoulders the holy things for which they were responsible. You see, it takes, it takes a, a woman of God. It takes a, a man of God. You've got, the, the, the presence of God needs to be carried on your shoulders. It needs to be, it, the presence of God has to be carried on somebody it's on somebody, and, 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 and the Kohathite priests were the ones who were to carry the presence of God. And that's why God had to intervene. And David, David became afraid of God that day. He said, well, you know, here we are, we're out here, we're trying our best, we're doing what we can do. And, and you know, like, I can't even believe it, that you, that you struck us down. You know, do you, do you not understand? Do you not get it, Lord? Do you know we're trying, we're trying so hard? Do you not get it, Lord, that we're trying to get the ark of God back to the city of David? Do you not get it that we're out here doing our best? And, and yes, God gets it, but, but you've got to do it his way, not your way. You can't work this out your way. You can't fit God into your schedule. You can't fit God into your life and your way and expect God just to understand. Because the only way this works is if I take my life and I fit it into what God is saying. Fear of the Lord, Proverbs 9 says, is the beginning of wisdom. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. God, it's amazing how 
The fear of God delivers me from fear. The awe of God delivers me from fear. I, I, when I, when I, I'm in right relationship with God, fear cannot have power over my life. But, but, but God is not just my big pal in the sky. He's God. I can sing. I am a friend of God and indeed I am, but he is still God. The only reason I can call myself a friend of God is because of the incredible sacrifice of Jesus Christ on a cross more than 2,000 years ago that paid for all my sin, paid for everything that would separate me from my God. He did that. He did that. And yes, I am a friend of God, but he is almighty God. We sing also, he is Elohim. He is the infinite, all-powerful creator, sustainer, and supreme judge of the world. He is kind and patient beyond comprehension. But he is God. And he will not allow us to reinterpret what he has said must be. You've got to understand that God is not trying to ruin our lives. He's, he's trying to get blessing to us. He's saying, hey, if you do it this way, if you obey these laws, I'm going to get blessing to you. It's, it's, it's like all you've got to do is, is do it this way. You, you, can, you, can, you can run around flapping your arms trying to fly, but you know what? There is a law called aerodynamics that God has put in the earth that if you obey that law, you will fly. Anyone can fly. All you've got to do is obey the law that God has put in place. If you ignore that law, then that's all you will do, flap around. You will never get off the ground. See, if God, God wants to get an instead to you, but you've got to do some things instead. He's trying to get an instead to you. He's trying to, he's trying to change your story. He's trying to give you the story that you've dreamed about, believed for. He's trying to give you that story. In fact, God's story for you is better than you ever imagined. You think your story is good. You, you think your ideas are good, but God's got something way better than that. Something more, way more incredible than anything you've ever planned. In fact, any, everything God has planned is way beyond what you've imagined for your life. But God has gotten instead for you, and that means you've got to do some things instead. And I think we learn a lot from, we learn a lot from Obed-Edom because, you see, he had no idea that day that the ark of God was going to end up in his house. He got up in the morning. He had no idea that that was going to happen as far as we understand. And, and we, we, we know that, that, that somehow David, I believe, thinking that he was coming up with the idea, saying, ah, you know, I don't know, but maybe we'll just take it there. Maybe it was just locationally convenient. It was just close by. It seemed like a good idea, but I believe that God had a hand in it. There was... Let's put it this way. There was a divine diversion. A divine diversion. Can you believe today? Can you believe today that God wants to bring you a divine diversion? There is something coming your way that wasn't intended for you. It wasn't planned for you. But God is going to open the door for it to come to you. He's going to make a way for you to get it. He's going to make a way for you to receive what some said you would never have received. But he's going to make a way. They said no, but God says yes. They said it would never happen, but God says it will definitely happen because I am God. 
And I am not a man that I should lie. God has planned a divine diversion for you. There's some stuff coming your way. There's some stuff coming your way. You didn't know it. You didn't know it when you got up this morning. You didn't know it. Well, you didn't know it. You didn't know it. You didn't understand it. But God's got some stuff coming your way. He's got it coming this way. He's got some stuff coming this month. He's got some stuff coming this year. He's going he's gonna to do it for you. He's going to do it for you. You've waited for a long time. You believed for a long time. But God has planned a divine diversion. He's getting some stuff to you that you waited for for a long time and you, you wondered if it would ever come. You wondered if He'd ever answer. You wondered if He'd ever make a way, but God is making a way. God is making a way where there's no way. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? You will carry it. You will carry it. You will not lose it. You will carry it. You will carry it to term. You will carry it to fulfilment. You will bring it to birth to the glory of God. You will bring it to birth. It is yours. Take hold of it. Take hold of it. Believe again. Trust again. Believe again. Trust again. Believe again. Look disappointment square in the eyes and say, devil, you are a liar. My God, King of kings, Lord of lords, is a way maker. My God is a miracle maker. My God has got a miracle. My God has got a breakthrough. My God has got a healing with my name on it. And I'm going to reach out. I'm not going to sit by and let it walk me by. I'm going to take hold of it and receive in the name of Jesus. Oh, if you can believe it tonight, say amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Hallelujah. There was a divine, a divine diversion. There was a divine diversion and I believe I believe personally, you can believe what you want to, but I believe that the presence of God needed to end up in Obed-Edom's house. I believe that there was an atmosphere that attracted the presence of God. You see, there are some, we, we talk about God coming, but you've got to understand, what, there, are, there, are, there are some atmosphere that God wants to get into. Lawrence shared this morning about, about Paul and Silas and, and how they were imprisoned and their feet were in stocks and their backs were bleeding because they'd been beaten because of what they had stood for, the Lord. And, and they began, about midnight, they began to praise, they began to praise, they began to sing hymns and all the prison was listening. And it says, the Bible says that suddenly, suddenly there was an earthquake. There was an earthquake and, and, and all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains flew off. And I, you know what? I believe that was because that's, that's because, not because people were getting out of the prison, but because God got into the prison. God got into the prison. That's what the earthquake was. God getting in. God, God wanted to attend that worship service. God wanted to attend that worship service. You say, well, why do, would you think that? I say, well, you know, because to me, what is crazy is that once every, all the prison doors flew open and all those chains flew off, it strikes me that any prisoner in his right mind would want to run away. Hey guys, let's go. We're free. But they didn't, they stayed. Because the atmosphere in the prison was better than the atmosphere out there. Maybe they felt more free in the prison than they did trying to run away from the freedom. 
to, to obtain their freedom. Maybe, maybe, maybe that was it. And maybe, maybe that was it. That the God, there was, there was a kind of worship that was going on in Obed, Obed-Edom's house that God wanted to get into. It was, you see, because God had been sat around in Abinadab's house for 20 years and, and nothing had happened. But, but, but in Obed-Edom's house, there was a place, there was a place of praise. You see, that's what I love that it had sat there 20 years. And this is what we need to get. This is what we need to get. People, we need to get. Same God, same Ark of the Covenant. Occupied a space in a home for 20 years and did nothing. Same Ark of the Covenant, same God. Occupied a home for three months and changed everything. There was something about the atmosphere of that home that attracted and released the blessing of God. And that's what, that's what God wants to do in your life. I don't know about you, but I want to believe God to release a blessing to us this year that we haven't seen in 20 years. Is anyone with me tonight? Is anyone with me? We haven't seen anything like this in 20 years. That we've seen a blessing of God that we haven't seen in 20 years. And God, I believe God, God wants to do something this year. God wants to do something this year. We, 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 God wants to do something that our children have never seen. God wants to do something that we have never seen. Because there's a kind of praise that moves heaven. There's a kind of praise that causes a shift to take place in the heavenly realms. There's a kind of praise that that releases something that changes everything, changes the atmosphere of your home. That's what happened in Obed-Edom's home, his whole house, his whole household, everything in it was blessed. And I say to myself, why? What was the difference between Abinadab's home and Obed-Edom's home? Well, as far as I understand, there was no difference in their home. The difference was Obed-Edom. That was the difference. You see, we haven't got time to work our way through all these scriptures, but I'm just going to throw some things out. If you're taking notes, you can take them down, have a look at them later. But First Chronicles 15, we just have a look there. talks about the Levites being appointed to look after the temple and right there at the end there in verse 18 Obed-Edom can you see it? Obed-Edom and, and Jael were gatekeepers so you've got, you got to understand something about the heart of Obed-Edom he just wanted to be near God he just wanted to be in the presence of God he wanted, he wanted to be around God and, and, and we, we read he, he, he didn't mind what he did he was, he was a gatekeeper we read in just the next verse that there he is again. <laughs> Obed-Edom, Jeliel, as I were to play harps. Now he's playing the harp. He's a gatekeeper. Now he's playing the harp. Just get me in there. Get me in. Put me on. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it needs to be. We see in First Chronicles 15, there he is. Um, in verse 24, towards the end, Obed-Edom. And Jehiah again, we're also doorkeepers. I don't care whether I'm a gatekeeper. I don't care whether I'm a doorkeeper. I don't know whether, I don't care whether I'm playing the harp. I just need to get in the presence of God. First Chronicles 16, some incredible stuff, but, but there he is again. They were, they were there playing harps and lyres, being around praise, being around worship. 
Again in 1 Chronicles 16, 37 to 38. Love this. He says he also left Obed-Edom and he's 68 associates to minister with him. I love that, how he, he started out as one or two, but there was something on Obed-Edom's life that caused 68 others to be associated with him because he was carrying something. And they were also gatekeepers. And all that's amazing. It says a lot about, it says a lot about Obed-Edom. It says a lot about his heart. It says a lot about uh, his attitude. Great. We could preach much about this, but this is what I want you to grasp. This is what I want you to grasp. Because I think that, you know, we can all say, okay, I want to step up. I want to step up in that area. But I want us to understand something tonight because this is what God is trying to get us to understand. If we can grasp it. In First Chronicles 26, the Bible talks about Obed-Edom's sons. Verse 4 there, talks about Shemaiah and Jehoshaphat and Joah and Sakha and all that. It says there were eight sons in all, for God had blessed Obed-Edom. But watch, then he talks about Obed-Edom's son, Shemaiah, also had sons. So he's not just a dad, he's a granddad. Who were leaders, watch this, who were leaders in their father's family because they were capable men talks about the sons of Shemaiah, all his relatives, Elihu, they were also able men. All these were descendants of Obed-Edom. They and their sons and their relatives were capable men with the strength to do the work. Descendants of Obed-Edom, 62 in all. What I'm trying to get us to understand is that there is a kind of blessing that is multi-generational. That I'm not just praising God for me, but I'm praising God for me and for my sons and for my daughters and for my children's children. I am praising God for the future generations that somehow in the incredible workings of God, the praise I bring today influences the next generation and the generation afterwards. And then, you know, when you think like that, it begins to make sense why sometimes we battle so much with praise and worship. It makes so much, it makes so much sense why we're so distracted, why our minds are thinking about the week ahead and what they said. And she looked at my funny, me with my, looked at me funny when I walked in and who does she think she is? And, and all that God, the, the, the devil will take any opportunity to distract you because if he can rob you of your praise, he can rob not only your life, but he can rob your children and he can rob your children's children. So that if you don't understand how powerful your praise is, you need to understand the devil understands how powerful your praise is. And that's why he's trying to stop it because we need some people who are going to stand up and begin to praise the Lord for the future generations. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? God is, God is, God is getting your attention. God is getting your attention. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You see, we need to understand that there is a place that attracts the blessing of God. There is an atmosphere that releases, releases the blessing. It's about heart. It's about attitude. You see, we're all really good at praising God for things. When I've got it, when the, when the prayer came through, when the provision came through, when the healing came through, when the answer came through, we can, we can pray, all of us can praise God for things, but, but God is looking for the kind of praise that will praise God before. Not just for, but before. Before, that kind of prophetic praise. 
that kind of prophetic praise. But while I'm still holding my bills, I'm believing that God is going to provide. The, 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 while I'm still sick, I believe that God is a healing God. That the, 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 the while the while I, I'm confessing that that, that God is a, a God who can heal my marriage, that I'm still battling at home. It's it's not easy, but I'm coming to the house of God. And I'm going to praise the Lord. I, I believe that God has got a plan for my son, for my daughter. I believe that God has got a plan for them. But, but at this moment in time, they're far from the things of God. But there's power in my praise. There's power in my praise. There's, there's a kind of praise that moves heaven. There's a kind of praise that confuses the enemy. God is looking for people who will praise God before, who will praise in advance. Can you praise Him in advance? Can you praise Him in advance? Can you praise Him before? Can you praise Him before? Can you praise Him while you're still battling? Can you, can you, can you praise Him while it's still dark and you're waiting for the dawn? Can you, can you praise Him? Can you, can you bring a praise to Him? Believing that God is going to make a way where they said there was no way. In the name of Jesus. Oh, come on. Come on, let's praise Him. Let's praise Him. My God, hear the cry of my heart, Lord. Hey! Times of ups and downs. Times when there was no one around. God came and spoke these words to me. Praise will confuse the enemy. Cause I've my
in advance felt the Spirit of God say to me that some of you are going to carry out from this place of supernatural praise in your heart. It's going to change the way you think. It's going to change the way you live your life. It's going to change your tomorrow. It's going to change your Wednesday afternoon. It's going to, you're going to carry a supernatural praise. You, you, you're not going to understand why you're singing because you look around at your circumstances and you, your mind tells you, your mind tells you, what have I got to sing about? What have I got to praise for? But your spirit knows that God has got your back and God holds your future and it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Tell somebody it's going to be all right as you take your seat. As you take your seat, tell somebody it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. It's going ahead of you. It's going ahead of you to make, to make a way. God's got some instead plans. See, that's what, that's what this kind of praise unleashes it unleashes instead it's like that was my story that that's what it was like and and God gives us an ability to live not in denial but in a pres, a prophetic place of possibility you know people maybe they they're, they're gonna think that you're crazy and they're not gonna believe you but well who are you in it for anyway you maybe God has given you faith for for things that he hasn't given faith to the people for and they they're going to laugh at you and they're going to point the finger and they're going to say ah but you know what you just need to hold on to God you need to trust him you need to know that your praise is powerful and it is able to move heaven can we believe that God has got some insteads planned for us Isaiah 55 verse 13 says instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper and instead of briars the myrtle will grow god's gotten instead maybe you've got thorns and briars in your life because you've sown them maybe you've got thorns and briars in your life because somebody else has sown them but god wants you to understand tonight that he's gotten instead for you because god is going to uproot the thorns and the briars is he going to plant the juniper and the myrtle He's got fragrance and blossom and beauty and fruitfulness and productiveness and possibility. Everything that spoke of neglect is being uprooted and everything that speaks of blessing and prosperity and overflow is being planted in your life. I, I believe there's a kind of praise that while the devil's busy pointing out all the thorns and, and all the briars in your life and you're going, I thank you God for blossom. I thank you God for fragrance. I thank you, oh God, for myrtle and juniper. I thank you, oh God, that you're causing rivers to flow in the desert. I thank you that you're causing seeds to germinate that I didn't even realize were planted because you are causing blessing to be brought to me and my family. The Bible says that this will be for the Lord's renown because God wants your life to show the goodness of God. He wants people around you to go, no, I can't. Do you remember how they used to be? Do you remember what their life used to look like? Do you remember how things were? And people say, wow, that is amazing. Look what God has done. Another powerful verse in my life, Isaiah 61, talks about the spirit of the Lord, sovereign Lord being upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And it goes on to say this, that, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. 
or heaviness. Some versions say heaviness, a spirit of heaviness. And they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. God's gotten instead. He's gotten instead. He's got an instead, instead of ashes, instead of ashes. He's, he's calling beauty, calling beauty out of ashes. I mean, what could possibly be beautiful about ashes? But, but God says, God says there is beauty that can be called out of ashes. God is able, even though you have done your best to, to ruin your own success, you have done your best to ruin your own blessing. God wants you to understand that you, even your efforts were not strong enough. God is able to get blessing to you and God is able to get blessing through you. And He is calling beauty out of ashes. He's calling beauty. The whole concept of ashes is about worthlessness and, and lack of confidence. And, and God tonight, if you can believe it as you praise Him, He's going to cause confidence to rise in your heart again that He is with you and that you can overcome and that you are not your past and you are not what you have done, but you are God's son. You are God's daughter. He loves you. He's got a plan for your life. And your stupidity has not canceled the plan of God. Oh my God, I'm going to say that again. Your stupidity has not canceled the plan of God. The plan of God is right on schedule. But will you praise Him tonight? Will you believe Him for an instant? Will you believe Him that He will take your ashes and call beauty out of them? Isaiah goes on to say about instead of mourning, instead of mourning the oil of joy, instead of mourning, mourning tears, loss, sadness, depression, hopelessness. God is saying, hey, hey, you know what? The miracle here is not that you've just stopped crying. That's, that's not the miracle. The miracle isn't that you just <laughs> you used to be crying and now you've dried your eyes and now you're not crying anymore. The miracle is that He's put a joy. Oh my God, I've not just stopped crying. I don't understand it, but deep down in my soul, there is a joy an unexplainable, miraculous joy that is healing. The Bible says it is the oil of joy. It, it is the healing oil of joy. It is healing me from my depression. It is healing me from my sadness. It is healing me from being overwhelmed. It is healing me from my fear. The oil of joy, the oil of joy where sadness and depression has caused my life to seize up the oil of joy just begins to flow just begins to flow gets me back on the road brings restoration brings restoration I don't know I don't know but you know I've got Wayne here got a few helpers they've got some oil even while I'm talking even while I'm talking I don't know maybe there's someone here who knows they need they just need the, the oil of God the anointing of joy in their life. Maybe you've been battling with depression. You've been battling with dark thoughts. You've been battling with stuff on your mind. And you're saying, oh God, I just want to believe for a supernatural, miraculous joy to, to enter my life. I'm going to walk in it by faith. If that's you, even while I'm speaking, just get out of your seat. Go over there and they'll be willing to pray with you and, and, and put the anointing of God on your on your head, it's nothing about the oil, but it is about the faith of God. That God is just going to release an oil of joy, an anointing of joy. And you need to step in it by faith. You need to step in it by faith. Don't wait for the feelings. Don't wait for the feelings. At night you've got it before you've got it. And then finally, finally, the Bible says instead, instead of despair, 
instead of a spirit of heaviness. God is wanting to bring praise into your life. He's, he's wanting to revive something. Revive something. My God, my God, we need reviving. I need revival. I need, I need the Spirit of God to come and touch me and come and fill me up again. And I access the blessing. I access the blessing by stirring myself. I stir myself. I can't shake off this spirit myself. But the Bible says, I put on praise like a garment. I put on praise. I put on praise. I do not allow the spirit of heaviness to dictate to me how I live. I do not allow the spirit of heaviness to dictate to me how I walk. I put on a garment of praise. Oh, this is not about feeling. This is about praising. Until I feel like praising. Oh, you don't hear me. You don't hear me tonight. I said it's about praising until I feel like praising. I'm going to praise until I feel like it. I'm going to praise until this heaviness is off me. I'm going to praise until I take hold of that miracle. I'm going to praise until I get my breakthrough. Oh my God. Praise. Praise God for your instead. Praise God for your instead. Believe. Your instead is on the way. It was like this, but now God is doing a new thing instead. God is doing a new thing instead. Oh, are you ready to praise Him? Are you ready to praise Him? Are you ready to praise Him? Oh, come on, let's. You've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media. Just search Heart Church UK.